You're listening to a Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, Everybody, welcome to the podcast. I'm Dan Savage. Uh, hope everyone's enjoying their summers out there. This is the time of year you need to get out of the house, you need to soak it up, people walking around and nearly next to nothing. You'll miss it come winter. So get out of the house, ogle the boys and girls. Objectification is good. Objectification is wholesome and healthy so long as it's respectful, ogle all you like, keep your mouth shut, uh, and mutual. You know, we used to talk about objectification as if it was a really bad thing because only women were subject to it. But we live in a post-only women are objectified uh, era. Men are objectified too. That's why men, uh, many of us now have bigorexia and anorexia and eating disorders just like the ladies. And it's all very fair now. Uh, so feel free to get out of the house, ogle the shirtless boys, ogle the nearly shirtless girls. That's what August is for. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook download of your choice today when you sign up. Log on at audiblepodcast slash savage today for details. I have a question. My boyfriend and I are in an open relationship, and I went away for a couple weeks, and I told him, you know, if you need to get fucked, go out and get fucked. Well, however, my dad was out for dinner, and he saw my boyfriend picking up a girl and ran back and told me. The thing is, I don't feel comfortable telling my parents I'm in an open relationship. They're not too keen on my boyfriend because we have a five- year age difference, which in my books isn't that much. Um, I'm 22, by the way. Um, and I'm just wondering, you know, how to deal with my parents and how to let them know he's not cheating on me because I'm okay with what he's doing. What the fuck did your father see exactly? Uh, you say your boyfriend was out picking up a girl, but your dad was out to dinner. I assume your dad doesn't hang out in sleazy pickup joints where people make out at the bar or dirty dance on the dance floor and i'm just going to assume that what your father saw was uh your boyfriend romancing someone in a restaurant perhaps because your dad was out at dinner now if i could get in touch with you i would know exactly what he saw and i could give you better advice than i'm about to give you um refuse to discuss it with your father <laughs> i mean if you don't want to talk about being in an open relationship and you're already on tender hooks because of the five-year age difference which seems really uh piddling unless you're 16 years old um i would just refuse to discuss it tell your dad uh if you have to tell him anything if he really nails you to the floor tell him that your boyfriend uh with your prior knowledge and full permission was out to dinner with an old girlfriend of his and they still have sort of an intimate but not physical relationship you know you you do have a right to lie to your parents there are some things we're supposed to lie to our parents about there are things that parents have a right to be lied to about um the the number of those things has shrunk in the last 50 years you know for instance once upon a time your parents had a right uh ostensibly to be lied to about your homosexuality if you were gay or your drug use if you were a casual smoker of pot uh as some people that i'm uh actually uh am are and have told their parents does that make any sense tech savvy at risk youth no they're giving me the no sign i'm trying to be circumspect to perfect to protect my pot smoking privacy now getting back to your problem um I can't remember what your problem was. Let's go to the next call. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a 21-year-old female. 
I have a history of dating older guys, but I've just um, gotten into a new, like, actual relationship with a man who's um, 44, almost 45. And I've heard you talk about um, people with, like, a 10 or 15-year age gap making it work, but this is, like, over 20 years. And, um, and like I said, I've, you know, I've been in... I've dated guys this old before, but like I'm really having a um, really different experience with this person, and I've never been treated so well by anyone, and it's really beautiful, and I'm learning a lot um, about intimacy and all all kinds of stuff. But the problem is that my parents have a a rule that I can't date men over 30, and they're financially supporting me through college. They've found out about this guy, and so they're telling me that you know they're going to stop paying for everything, which includes my college tuition. And I work a regular job, I and I, you know, I make some money, but I can't afford to put myself through college with, like, the work that I'm doing right now. But I don't want to give up, like, this really beautiful experience that I'm having um, with this person, and I, and I really want to explore it more, but... I also, you know, I want to live honestly, and I, and I prefer not to lie to my parents. So my question for you is, do I really have to, like, end this, this relationship, or should I lie? Um, are my parents right? Like, is it really this bad, what I'm doing, to be involved um, with this guy? Or should I start looking for a couple more jobs to pay my way through school? Hey, first, but first thing I want to say to you is, uh, before we get to your problem with your parents, um, uh-huh. the way you talked about dating this older guy, and he's 44, and you've never been treated so well, you seem to be kind of implying that you believed how well he was treating you was somehow related to his age. And, and I don't think that's true. You know, it's who he is that is prompting him to treat you so well, not how old he is that is prompting him to treat you so well. There are 44-year-old guys out there who will teach treat their girlfriends, whether they're 21 or 31 or 51, like shit, and 21-year-old guys who will treat their girlfriends who are 44 like queens, so it's kind of irrelevant. Okay, I get that. I've dated guys his age before who treated me like crap, so... Okay, I just wanted to toss that out there. Um, Okay. Now, you would prefer not to lie to your parents, uh, but sometimes parents put us in a position where we must lie. To them. Mm-hmm. And this may be one of those instances. You're sort of, uh, a, you know, you're, you have common uh, life experience now with all those gay kids out there whose parents won't put them through college if they come out and who blackmail them into denying that they're gay. And your parents are pretty much blackmailing you into denying that you're attracted to and probably always will be attracted to and will wind up with a man who is significantly older than you are. Mm-hmm. Whatever they think of it. Unfortunately, they've put you in this position where your education hinges on towing, uh, you know, this artificial line that they want to draw and your sexuality dancing to their uh, preferences for you, which is total bullshit. And your your only option is, you know, be honest and have to drop out of college to get the two jobs or lie to them uh, and see your ancient boyfriend on the down low. Uh, and I say ancient because he's probably six months older than I am, and that is fucking ancient. <laughs> or, you know, how long have you been dating this guy? 
Um, three months or so now. Okay, well, it's too soon to ask him if he's willing to put you through college. <laughs> but right. you know, if you do it on the download for a year and a half, and you guys determine that you want to be together, and he wants to take some responsibility for the impact that being with you and open and honest about that, you being open and honest about that, is going to have on your life financially and your education, he could step up and support you, which is what people in love do. You know, the world is crawling with 27-year-olds who put their 27-year-old girlfriends or boyfriends through med school. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's not a function of you taking advantage of his, you know, age or probably more stable income situation necessarily. But it's too soon in three months to make that kind of, even that kind of request of him. Right. You should lie to mom and dad. And be honest with them about, you know, be honest with the boyfriend about the fact that you're lying to your parents because your parents are being irrational psychopaths. But like, there's just so much stuff then that I can't do with him. Like, say we wanted to go on a trip. I couldn't just take a trip. Like, we actually had plans and bought tickets to, like, go somewhere. Welcome, and, welcome to the closet. Uh, you know. It's too unfair. I know. It's totally fucking unfair. <laughs> Tell me about it. We had 2,000 fucking years of the closet to suck on. You're going to only have to do uh, it for how, how much longer do you have in college? A, a while. How much is actually. a while? Like, I want to go to grad school, so I have another, like, six years, I would say. Holy fuck. Well, hopefully when you go to grad school, <laughs> you can get a TA position and tell mom and dad uh, to stick it. Also, you know, if you guys weather a storm, sometimes, and the tech heavy at risk youth are giving me the wrap it the fuck up, savage eyebrow expression. So I'm going to, like, do this quickly. Okay. Sometimes when you're with somebody that your parents disapprove of and they make it really difficult for you, it's kind of this hazing. Like if you sneak around with this guy for a couple of years and you end up in some sort of long-term relationship with him and you tough out this period of you know parental disapproval and sturm and drang, they may come around about him. Uh-huh. And figure, well, you know, we assumed that he was just taking advantage of your youth and experience. Clearly, though, however, blah, blah, blah. Even though he's probably your father's age or close. Close. Uh, close. They may come around on him if, you know, if you tough this out. Um, and you may be able to go to grad school with their help ultimately anyway. But you know what? If you're with him to, what is it, two years from now, three years from now you're going to grad school? Yeah. If you're still with him two years from now, he should put you through fucking grad school. Okay. Because that's, if you're going to have, like, a full-blown, grown-up relationship and you're looking six years into the future, Uh then you shouldn't be relying on mom and dad anymore. You're an adult in an adult relationship, and if you're going to go to college, go to grad school, and you guys are going to be partners, then, you you know, that might be his responsibility at that point. And then you can change his diapers in 30 years. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Okay, thanks, Dan. You're welcome. Bye. Hi, Dan. I am with a fantastic girl. We've been together for six months. I love her to death, but I I have one problem, and my problem is, is that I, for some reason, have a weird mental block about going down, going down on her, and she has a fantastically beautiful vagina. It's fantastic. I love it. It's gorgeous. I can't, I can't say any good, any any more good things about it. I just have a, I have a terrible mental block. I've tried it once, and and I was doing it fine, and and I could go on forever. And just for some reason, the the mental part of it all just pulled me back, and I couldn't get into it anymore. I hate making excuses about it because there is no excuse. It's it's a it's, it's a man up deal. Just do it. Just get down there and do it. But I, I don't know what to do. I I, I want to try, and I keep 
I keep telling her I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna fix this. I'm gonna fix what's wrong with me because there's obviously something that's that that that's wrong in the whole mental sphere of things. I, you know, physically I can pump myself up and just be like, okay, we're gonna do this. It's gonna be easy as hell because it shouldn't be a this shouldn't be a, a difficult thing. And the you know the the, the times that I do it, she says. Are, are you know hitting the right spots? So I you know I should feel good, I should feel fantastic, um, but I don't know what to do. I you know I've had I have had bad oral experiences in the past with girls I was with. One girl especially I can tell you has the grotiest vagina I've ever ever seen in my life. It just it it was a it was a mess. And then a couple years later I found out down the line she never went to the gynecologist and it was just. And infected, infected. You know, I it's, it's getting flashbacks and it's, it's painful. But that's not here. That's not the problem. That's not the issue. I don't. You know, it's not an excuse of whether or not I've had bad experiences because bad experiences are not a are not a, an excuse. So, please, 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 Dan Savage, help me out. Bad experiences are not an excuse, except you know when they are. And when you use them like they are. Uh, but backing up for a second before we get to your particular hang-up, um, you should just really, really be glad that you're not gay because we are contractually obligated to eat ass. Just throwing that out there. Not that straight people don't eat ass, but we are contractually obligated to eat ass. So it could be worse. could be much worse for you. Although I'll take ass over uh, vaginas gnarly or not any day. Now, getting to your problem. Uh, suffer, bitch. Stick your face down there. Stick your fucking tongue out. Think of England and rotate your head around on your neck. Like, how fucking hard is that? Um, you're very articulate uh, and long-winded about this hang-up. And I think you've perhaps nailed the root cause, which was the one girlfriend with the gnarly vagina. And to obliterate the memory of that gnarly vagina that apparently you stuck your tongue in, although you don't say that... Um, but that would be the only reason why I would uh, turn you off to oral sex forever and ever, perhaps, um, is to stick your tongue in a nice vagina and leave it there for a good long time so that you can supplant or outweigh the memories of the gnarly, not nice vagina, the festering gunshot wound of a vagina that you described, uh, with the memories, the fresh memories of your girlfriend's um, beautiful uh, non-gunshot festering wound gangrenous vagina. Um, if you want to do the training wheels thing, there is a way. You can have some sessions where you don't put your tongue on her vagina, where you don't open your mouth. Have her slap some duct tape over your mouth and send me a picture. And all you have to do is get your face, get your nose an inch away from her vagina and masturbate her with your hands. Just to like get used to being down in between when the waterworks are going and when she's having her orgasms. And so you're just, you know, nose to twat with her vagina then do the same thing do that a couple of times do the same thing but holding a piece of saran wrap over her vagina and planting your tongue on her clit while you also use your fingers and move your tongue around and then eventually throw the duct roll of duct tape and the box of saran wrap away and start eating her pussy and if you can't do that i'm gonna send a gay guy there to sit his ass down on your face Today's ass-eating podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Audible has over 35,000 titles to choose from, to be downloaded and played back anywhere, just like you can play back the Savage Lovecast anywhere. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash savage to get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Because remember, no one is listening to music anymore on their iPhones and 
iPods. Music is over. It's been over since Vicky Carr played The Persian Room. There hasn't been a single thing put on vinyl uh, or CDs or whatever the kids are listening to today that has any merit whatsoever since Vicky Carr walked off the stage at The Persian Room. What you want are books. Um and spoken word entertainment, because that's all that matters now. Again, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage for your free audiobook. Hi, Dan. My name's Rebecca. I'm calling from Massachusetts. Um, and I have a question, not related to humans. Yesterday, I went with my mom to get kittens. She just moved into a new apartment, and she wants kittens. And the first kitten that she fell in love with at the pet store was this little black and white cat. And then... That black and white cat shared a cage and was really close buddies with this tabby cat. Um, But the problem was that the tabby cat had a problem where he had been separated from his mother too early and as a result was constantly sucking on the black and white cat's dick. And I told my mom that, uh, and in fact, actually, the tabby cat got an infection from sucking so much feline dick. So I told my mom that I didn't think it was a good idea to bring those two cats home. She she always gets kittens in pairs, so she didn't want to abandon the tabby cat and just take the black and white cat. So I convinced her to get these other cats, uh, these other kittens. But my question is, was that being a total hater, you know, should I have just kind of let my mom take these two cats home because, like, who am I to judge the tabby cat for wanting to suck the black and white cat's dick? Um, they're infant cats, you know, kittens or whatever, so I don't I, I, I don't know. I convinced her to get these other kittens that are great kittens because I thought that the, uh, the black and white cat and the tabby cat were damaged goods. I have no doubt that there are people out there listening who thought my ass-eating comments were gratuitous and disgusting. And now this. Really, you know, no one forced you to download this disgusting program. You did this to yourself. All right. You live in Massachusetts, lady, whose mother gets kittens in pairs. How often does your mother get cats? How many cats does your mother have in her house? Um, Gay kittens are an oppressed kitten minority group. And I'm shocked and appalled. You know that gay kittens can get legally married in Massachusetts. Um, I don't even know what the fuck to tell you about this. Um, I think you uh, clearly have, you know, maybe you're a little homophobic because you seem to have read into the actions of these infant cats some sort of adult human sexuality that there was this oral copulation going on that was somehow about sexual pleasure and not about some sort of, you know, suckling weirdness that the cats would outgrow. I guarantee you they're not going to be sucking each other off in adult cathood, particularly after your mother has them both neutered. Now, I actually have nothing more to say to you or about cat blowjobs, and I just want to end with a shout-out to all my listeners that if you have a question about cat blowjobs, that there's probably a podcast out there for you somewhere. But this ain't it. Hi, Dan. I'm calling because every week, every year, I work at a week-long summer camp in Virginia. And this year, I was at this camp. I'm an adult, and I work with teenagers. It's a week-long church camp. It's pretty intensive. And on the very, very, very last night of camp, right before we all packed up and left, 
I had a girl come to me and disclose to me that she was pregnant. This girl has just turned 16. She's definitely pregnant. She has not had her period for a month and a half. She's throwing up every morning. She took two home pregnancy tests. They both said yes. I am the only adult she's spoken with. She was very terrified of being shunned by family and friends and didn't know what she wanted to do. And so after a long conversation in which I over and over and over told her, you have to tell someone. And she said, but I don't want anybody to know, but I don't want to have an abortion. And I kept saying, but if you're pregnant, everyone will know. Um, We finally worked something out where I gave her my cell phone number and she put it in her cell phone. And she gave me her cell phone number and I put that in my cell phone. And I said, four days after camp, I would call her and check up on her and see if she disclosed to her mom. Because that was... The plan we had is that she would disclose to her mom, she would have her mom take her to a doctor's clinic to make sure that she was, and then they would come up with a plan together. She lives in a southern state, it's in the deep south, in a very rural area. There is no access to abortion for people under the age of 18 in that state. So if that's a choice that she would want to have open to her, she needs to have an adult go with her, and she needs to make that choice soon. And here's my dilemma. It's been two weeks since camp. I've been calling. I've been leaving messages. She's not calling me back. Now, I'm sure that she is not wanting to deal with it and is not calling me back or else there's something wrong with her cell phone. <laughs> but I'm wondering, do I have a responsibility to kind of call the camp director, get, try to get the number of her guardians or adult relatives and tell them? Or is that a huge violation of trust? Because she told me privately and she didn't want them to know. And this is a big deal. And this kid is scared. And I'm sitting here going, okay, it's been two more weeks. That makes her eight weeks, not six weeks. And the longer you wait in this, the less time you have to make a choice. So I'm wondering what you think. Do you think that I say, okay, I did the best I could, and I let it go, and I just keep calling and leaving messages so she knows I'm open to speak with? Or do I actually try to figure out some way of tracking down the adults in her life and telling them what's what's up with her and maybe violating her trust? Here's what uh, you have a responsibility to do. You okay. have a responsibility to butt the fuck out. Okay. Um, she she confided in you, and you did. You have done all that you could and all that you should. Okay. I think you should leave one more message that says, "I'm worried about you. I'm out here for you if you need me. You know, to act as an intermediary between you and your parents. There's anyone you want me to talk to, or if you just want to talk to me, here's my number one last time. Call me if you want, but I'm not gonna." call you again until I hear from okay. you because I don't want to stalk you. you know, right, yeah, because I've only been calling, I've called like once once every four days because I didn't want to make it every day. I didn't want to make it creepy. But I was hoping maybe the fact that she told me made it easier for her to like then tell somebody else. Like I think that might be, either she's in complete denial and there's nothing you can do about that and you honestly God can't violate her trust by right. you know swooping in to wherever the fuck she is and telling her parents and perhaps getting her killed. Right, no. Um, you have to, you know, hope for the best. Maybe you were the dry run. You were the rehearsal uh, for the next person she would tell, and perhaps it made it easier. Or perhaps she already went off and had an abortion and doesn't want to talk about it ever again and wants to shove the whole pregnancy and termination of pregnancy experience down the memory hole, which means shoving you down it too. Right. If which you're would the only living sense. person who knows that she had was temporarily pregnant. A couple other people knew, but they were not helpful. Like, when she told me, I said, have you told anyone else? And the people she told were her best friend, who was 16, who was thrilled and thought it was awesome. Oh, God. For whatever fucking reason. was like, this is great. This is what God wants you to do. And then the guy that got her pregnant, who said, well, just don't think about it, and it'll go away. 
And then um, her uncle, who was in prison, who asked her why she didn't use the morning after pill, and it was because she'd never heard of it. Welcome to <laughs> she, America. Yeah, it was. I was totally like, oh, this kid. And like the worst thing was that the the camp that we were at is like a very progressive liberal church camp, mm-hmm. and we do a shitload of like totally comprehensive, open-ended sex education. But there's no outside abortion care services at the liberal church Apparently no. Camp, the liberal church no. Camp <laughs> but um, but I, I think for her, she was like, oh, a week, you know, way too late, like a whole week of sex ed too late, you know, because she hadn't had any. Like, she didn't know anything. Right. And it was, it was amazing. She knew enough to get a, a dick into her and leave her. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she knew enough to have sex because we're programmed to want to have sex just like cats in Massachusetts. Just like that. Um, yep. But you can't do anything more than you've done without okay. violating the sacred code of strangers we've confided deeply troubling, near strangers we've confided deep, really troubling okay. life problems in. Um, you know, it's a great impulse, your impulse to want to ride to the rescue, but she's got to act in her own self-interest now, and you've you've clearly encouraged her to do that, and now you have to butt out. Okay, good, because that's really what I thought. Like, a lot of people are like, well, you're the adult, and she's the kid. I'm like, ah, it's her business, and if she's going to have a kid, she's not as much of a kid anymore. Right. So, which, which, tragically, I think she might. I mean, she lives in a very rural part of Mississippi with no access to abortion without your parents with you, and she would have to get someone to drive her across state lines to get one. Uh-huh. Assuming she could even come to terms with making that choice before, it was, like, too late to do so. Because when she talked to me, she would have been six weeks pregnant and had not done anything about it other than, like, sit around and worry. Right. Which, unfortunately, is not an abortion. Good luck. Okay. Sorry. Thank you. Bye. No, that's okay. Bye. Hi, Dan. My name is Keith. Um, I'm 45, married, uh, 14 years, have a 10-year-old son. Here's my story, um, and I very much welcome any advice or comments. I'm going through a crisis. I feel like my life is over. I keep hoping that I'll wake up and find, this, find, it, that, find out that this is all is to be a, a horrible nightmare. My wife wants a divorce. She told me she felt, she felt this way uh, for three years now, and only recently got up the nerve to tell me. She says she doesn't love me anymore and doesn't want to live with me. The irony is that although I also don't love her but have deep feelings for her, I don't presently wish, wish for a divorce because of the emotional effect it will have on my son. I also am hysterically afraid of losing time with my son and wish above all else to avoid bringing him into a broken home. She's the breadwinner making about three times my salary. We agreed on this situation prior to our son being born. I also work nights, which means it wouldn't be, which means he wouldn't be able to sleep over my place when it's my turn to have him. I'm working to improve my income and change my, my working hours. I'm so afraid of the future, and I hate the present. I am so fearful of losing time and touch with my son. If she finds a new boyfriend or husband, I will lose him further. And some other guy will ultimately be helping raise my son. We tried counseling, but it blew up when, after going alone for several weeks, she finally agreed to go with me, which I had thought was a good sign. But she then announced during the session she wanted a divorce. I cry every day, and I think about this 24-7. And I don't know what to do. Um, I said to my wife once, I don't care about my happiness only about the family and my son's well-being and happiness. So can you please stop being so selfish and thinking only of yourself? She replied that she cares about 
herself and about our son, and now it's her, ta- her, t- her turn to be selfish. If we didn't have a son, my entire outlook would be different. Here's the reason I want to avoid the breakup, divorce, custody sharing, etc. I'm really sorry for the pain that you're in and what you're going through. Um, it sucks, and I know it sucks because I watched it happen to my parents when my parents uh, split up, which was a choice that my father made, and my mother was basically in your position, and she believed that her life was over too. And that was not true. Um, your life is not over. Um, it's perfectly appropriate emotional response for you to feel like your life is over and to feel so uh, distraught and uh, you know, and to be worried about the unknowns, um, where you're going to live, how you're going to support yourself, how this is going to impact your relationship with your son, um, your wife's future, uh, dating rom- romantic future. And, you know, there's your romantic future too, uh, and you will have a future. Um, you say you don't want to lead your son into a broken home. Um, you need to recognize that you can't control that. You can't force your wife, uh, to stay in this marriage. Um, so you need to let go of the things that really you're not in control of. What you are in control of is how you manage the end of this marriage and how you manage your future relationship with your future ex-wife. Um, that will determine to a great, if not the ultimate extent, um, the sort of relationship you have with your son as he moves into his teenage years and into adulthood. Uh, the, you've been there and present in his life 24-7 for the first 10 years. You have a really solid foundation. I don't think your son is going to forget you, neglect you, um, and I don't think that you can be replaced in his affections by anyone who comes along a year or two from now or three years from now. I don't think that's possible. That feeling would be, I think, much more valid if your son was a year old, two years old, three years old, four years old. Um, he's not. He's 10 years old. You are hardwired into his life and his memory uh, as his father figure. And I don't think that you can be supplanted. Now, your concerns about your income, if you and your wife went into parenthood with an agreement about her greater economic earning power, you know that we live – in an era, hopefully a time, when you will go before a, a judge in a divorce proceeding who will treat you not as you know, the man and the woman but as the spouses who are separating. Dude, you can go for alimony. Dude, you can go for custody and ask for child support. You're not initiating the divorce. You had an, an agreement going into this relationship about uh, who would take care of whom financially and who is more financially – responsible for supporting the family and that can be enforced so i'm not saying you should go after alimony to retaliate or to try to prevent your wife from divorcing you i just think that you're standing at not as great a precipice as you seem to believe that you are Um, you have rights you have options you your wife has financial obligations to you and to her son uh, you, she may not cast her son's father into poverty. Now, when you move forward and you manage your post-marriage with your wife, you need to be on very good terms with her. You need to cauterize this wound and set it aside. If you move through the rest of your relationship with your wife, because you're going to be interacting with your wife, your ex-wife, for the rest of your life at your son's birthday parties, at graduations, at marriages, at family events, uh, you are going to have to encounter her and deal with her. And you need to 
accept what you can't change, blah, blah, blah. Every cliche applies. Uh, and work toward a friendship with your wife as soon as you finish grieving and you're going to grieve for a while at the end of your marriage. Um, doing that, staying nearby, when you get an apartment or you get a house and you move out, make it easy on your kid by being close. If you're worried about you know, losing touch with him, the worst thing you could do is move far away, move to the other side of town, move to another state. That's exactly what you don't want to do, right? So long as you're present in his life, physically present, you're accessible, and you're a human being, by which I mean that you're nice and you're decent and you treat your son's mother however angry you are about the divorce and however unjust you may feel that it was, even if she gets involved with somebody else, you treat her with respect and one day you treat her affectionately out of consideration, not for her feelings, but your son's feelings, your relationship with your son will not be permanently damaged. Your relationship with your son will be will flourish if you can do those three things. And finally, the last time we talked about divorce in the show, I'm sort of con divorce when there are young children involved. Um, and I said, so we got a lot of calls from kids whose parents uh, divorced who were happy about it or grateful that they divorced um, because the other option, their parents staying together in a marriage that made them both miserable and then they took their misery out on their kids or the kids just witnessed the misery and that made them miserable. They thought the divorce was better for them ultimately than their parents staying together. Your son may feel that way one day ultimately too. Hi, Dan. I have an addition to your advice. Um, you say that no partner should uh, be kept if they don't come with uh, the standard oral sex. And I have one more reason why. This weekend, I was uh, going down on my boyfriend on the lovely Sunday morning in the sunlight, and I pushed back his pubic hair on his nutsack, only to find there were a couple of hairs that didn't move. And, in fact, as I got a little closer... It was a tick. It was a tick on his nutsack. So being the wonderful girlfriend that I am, I said, you're not going to like this, honey, but, you know, there's a tick on your nutsack. And uh, anyway, I got a tweezers, and I pulled it out, and he's safe, and uh, it's, it's healing. But anyway, just one more reason that oral sex should come standard, because you might save your man's life. All right? Life-saving head giver. Yeah. Have a good one. I'm not sure that that's going to help, actually, popularize the, the attitude that oral sex should come standard. Hey, everybody should give blowjobs and eat pussy because you never know when you're going to find – you're going to be going down on somebody whose pubic hair is infested with lice and ticks and vermin. Hey, oral, take it up. But uh, thank you for your comment. There's nowhere left to go after that call, so we're just going to wrap this one up. 206-201-2720 is the phone number here if you'd like to record a question for a future Savage Lovecast. Please leave a callback number. Try to keep your call under a minute or two. We promise not to play your callback number on the air, which we actually did once in a podcast. When we were just starting out, we didn't know what the fuck we were doing, uh, but we don't do it anymore. The tech savvy at risk youth, it's in the permanent record. Um... They're acting all indignant, all 14 of them. You should see their uniforms I make them wear while we tape the show. They're very revealing. That's it. We'll be back at you next week with another Savage Lovecast. You download us every week at thestranger.com slash savage, and I blog constantly at slog.thestranger.com. Talk to you next week, everybody. Mm-hmm.